Welcome back to Seriously Funny. I'm your host, Mashnor Kabir, and I pronounce it Caramel. First, I want to say that last week I completely forgot to mention that I'd watched Promise Neverland both seasons. I can see why a lot of people didn't like the second season, especially near the end, but the first season was pretty great. So if you're interested in some thriller sort of stuff, go watch that. I finished ReZero season two, and now I want to watch a season three, so that should be enough for my thoughts there. I've also begun re-watching the quintessential quintuplets. If you're lonely and like romance anime, that's for you. Uh, with the anime comments aside, when you're listening to this, I've finished all my exams and my fasting, and I'm probably on a beach somewhere drinking a fancy drink, non-alcoholic, of course, because alcohol is stupid. Now, to get to the actual contents of this episode. That was a pretty quick intro, huh? Yeah, you like that. Don't lie. Uh, It's going to be another sort of just randomly put together sort of uh, episode. Uh, No coherent process through the entire thing. So I hope you're cool with that. Uh, It's just uh, this one today just a little bit more humor fills up some time some space so if you have something else to do here is your background noise um (laughs) um firstly those i'm really alive type of thoughts are insane you know those thoughts you get sometimes uh, you know when you're outside for example let's say this is before the rona back in the stone ages you're outside Uh, enjoying that caramel frappuccino from Starbucks because you're a basic bitty. And then you see someone walking and out of nowhere, a bunch of random neurons fire in your brain, pew, pew, pew. And you have the thought, holy crap, that person is like, like a real person. They have their own life. They exist. Does that mean I exist too? What? Thoughts like that are insane. Uh, They don't go anywhere either. So you're left just straight blue-balled by this absolute eureka moment that doesn't actually bring you any practical information. Uh, These thoughts are probably the biggest tease in human history. Right behind a wet dream. Uh, I, I mean, think about this, okay? Imagine, okay, imagine you wake up, and now there's a wet spot in your trousers. You got to clean your effing bed. However, you don't remember your effing dream. So you had a wet dream and you can't recall it. So what happens is that you wake up with a mess that you have to clean up and you don't even get to see or remember that bitty in your dream, bro. I, you know, it's so sad, so much pain. It's the biggest uh, scam in all of the world. Uh, you know, God's made a lot of things, but if God ever made a scam, it would be wet dreams. Those things suck. How stupid. Imagine having one and not remembering it. How horrible, dude. That sucks ball sex. Oh my God. One of the worst times in life. Anyways, I hope none of you ever have to experience that, although it's natural, so you probably will. And if when you do, remember this and, uh, you know, my condolences. But Anyways, yeah, these uh, these whole eureka moments where you realize that you exist and other people exist, uh, 
that doesn't actually bring you any practical information. A, a random firing of your neurons leaves you with a semi chub in your pants and doesn't finish you off. It's it's horrible. That's why the goal is to not think ever, uh, you know, just so that you can avoid these horrible, horrible teases where the life just edges you. If you know, you know, overall, though, I mean, they are really interesting thoughts. And sometimes if you can avoid thinking about the wet spot in your trousers, after having the thought you realize that what triggered that wet spot is actually really cool. When you look at your hand, and you realize that you have control over your fingers, and maybe you know a bit of biology, and you remember failing the unit on the animal cell, and you realize that you have trillions of those tiny things in your body. When it's blown up on the projector screen and the thing is huge and is bigger than your effing face, then you know you think, oh my god, what a complex thing. But those things are incredibly small, and they comprise your entire body. Um, it's quite cracked. Uh, not even, uh, you know, it's not even in your body. It is your body. It comprises the entire thing, uh, cells, that is. And, you know, that first example where other people are people, man, that one still gets to me. I'm not going to lie. So I have an issue where um, I have trouble identifying other people as their own individual beings and their own individual actors. Uh, and the fact that people exist, even when they're not in front of me, is kind of a crazy thought. Uh, that means there's like legitimately 7 billion people, almost 8 billion people on the planet. Holy crap. Oh, that's a lot of people, dude. That's a big number. Well, you know, one thing that's, one thing you learn when you study like either math, uh, kind of math. I mean, if for math, if you're in like higher tier calculus and you're studying, uh, how would you say, man, I mean, you're studying limits and you, you know, you know, the limit is it's, um, as something gets infinitely close to a point and you know, you're playing around with infinity there, which is, it's not even a number, it's a concept, but you know, it's the biggest, uh, quantity in the universe. And so, you know, when you go there, obviously quantifying infinity is not a humanly possible, your brain can't, your, your brain is a finite thing. And so comprehending infinity is kind of not literally, it's just completely impossible point blank period. But when you study other things, i.e. Uh, uh, astrology, if you study the stars and you know, the cosmos and cosmology and astro is astro it's astronomy, right? I think so. Anyways, when you study those things, the space stuff, um, space is really, really, really big. And <laughs> there's a lot of really, really, really big things inside of space. And so when you start studying that stuff, you start seeing these enormous numbers, like huge numbers, like 10 to the 10 to the like effing 26, which is like 10 bazillion, bazillion, bazillion. And so, you know, when you see these numbers, it's like, wow, big number. Quantifying that and like truly putting that into human perspective and understanding how much that really is, is so hard. Like I once had someone show me what like $1 billion worth of money would be. Uh, and they like, they took a, a note, 
a notes on like a computer, like the notes app on the computer, and they typed in 100,000. And they pasted 100,000, however many times it would take to make a billion, I think 100,000 times 100,000, I think 100,000 squared is 1 billion, I'm not sure. Um, and holy crap, like there was so many zeros. And then they said, imagine and they said, you could probably live your entire life off this. I'm like, there's no way. Like, people would run through that. And then they said, well, let's say that we spend $100,000 a month. That's a lot of money. Um, and then he started deleting zeros slowly. Like, he started deleting, like, one 100,000 every, like, a few times over. And there, we weren't even close to getting to the end of the sequence. Um, and, man... Even one billion is such an enormous numbers, but numbers number. When you start looking at numbers and we start you know studying different things that involve bigger numbers, the human brain and comprehending that is so challenging and tough. And I don't know, it gets pretty effing amazing and confusing and trippy and terrifying. But you know, all those things they happen. What are you gonna do? Anyways, that leads us into science. Scientists are weirdos. That's the next point. Um, I've been reading a lot of research papers for the sleep stuff. I've been on hiatus because school hates me and my dreams of being a sleep prophet. But I was reading a ton of research papers back when I was doing that a few weeks ago. Uh, as I was doing that, I also learned more and more about just research in general. Uh, and I've learned a little about statistics in order to try to interpret a lot of the facts and figures that are in the papers that I read. Uh, one thing that I learned as well is that scientists are really strange. I say strange, but I read a lot of books, um, I, or I read a lot of books um, before I started reading tons of research papers. Uh, and the rhetoric used in both of these mediums are so extremely different. Uh, the books written by, you know, doctors, professionals, experts, and authors, uh, you know, nonfiction books, of course, uh, these are marvelous works that are you know, them, the author, writing down their experience in a field, valuable information they want to share for whatever reason they're writing the book for. Uh, it's a letter to the reader. It's personal. It may be nonfiction and stale. Sometimes it's very dense. It's still a from me to you sort of vibe uh, when you see the books. Um, but in research papers or meta-analyses, academic works it's a writing of facts it's a it's a documentation of facts it's not a letter it's not you know from me to you it's a simple statement of this is uh, it's impersonal it's not meant to be captivating and that's really cool it's like reading a different language it's like reading a different sort of thing because you know when you go through english class and you have to write this and that and you know you have to write narratives and stories and you know, the, your rhetoric is so different than what is used in the field of science. And one of the things that's been tossed around a lot, especially over the pandemic, is the idea of credibility. You know, who's credible? What's credible? Uh, I learned a lot about credibility, uh, you know, reading a bunch of research papers. One thing people don't realize is that studies very, very rarely make any major claims. Out of near, if not over 100 research papers that I read uh, for sleep, only one of them even alluded to a plausible causal 
relationship between sleep deprivation and Alzheimer's. And that case, and that claim was a, you know, possible causal relationship. It wasn't like this big claim either. Uh, and, you know, this was also based on hundreds of other studies that made correlative conclusions between the two. And then they offered, you know, evidence uh, as to why it was happening, not just saying that they're correlated. Um, but they were saying, you know, they were giving reasons as to why it was likely happening. Uh, beta amyloid buildup in the brain, you know, just a little teaser. But, you know, citing research papers saying that I read that, I read a paper that said X, um, people really often misquote these things. You know, you want to say that you read this paper that showed whatever, uh, when the correct way that you should probably be mentioning these things is, you know, uh, multiple papers I read showed a connection between X and Y. Um, and then describe why that connection is, you know, happening. Why, like, what's the scientist hypothesis or understanding uh, of it? Like, you know, so with the beta amyloid, um, I read a bunch of papers that connected Alzheimer's disease with, you know, sleep deprivation. And the reason that they found that was that uh, people that don't sleep uh, during NREM 3 and 4, uh, your cerebrospinal fluid, SCF, or CSF, sorry, your CSF comes up into your brain and clears out a bunch of waste products. One of those waste products is beta amyloid. And what we see in Alzheimer's patients is that their brain has a buildup of beta amyloid. And so that lets us know that it seems like there is a, that's like the reason that it could be, and that's the reason it's correlated. Uh, and, and that's the reason it could plausibly be a, uh, causal relationship, if not semi-causal, meaning, you know, uh, it's a, it's a very large factor, but it's not the only one, which is probably the case. Um, overall, you know, that, um, you know, research paper showed X versus I saw a connection or I, uh, it, it's, they seem to allude to a connection between X and Y, uh, you know, they're different. Uh, but you know, scientists are really, really cool. And when you read abstracts, discussions or conclusions, you'll likely see skeptical rhetoric when describing results uh, from the scientists. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Uh, you know, they'll say, uh, well, we found this, but it should probably be studied more. And here's what we were missing. And here's something that's really interesting that we didn't think about. Um, and uh, it's that's something that you should also keep in mind uh, until you read a ton of different papers. Uh, and maybe you can say you've read 500 papers and can make a plausible causal relationship. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a good time. It's, uh, research papers are fun. I find them to be intriguing, entertaining, and enthralling, but other people say they're boring. So, you know, F them. But, you know, what are you going to do, losers? Um, uh, a few things, or a few months ago in engineering class, uh, the teacher asked a question. This is going to get to what the title of this episode is. The teacher asked a question, you know, what is heat? Uh, and, and a question that on first listen, most people would think that they know the answer. Well, heat is, uh, and a lot of people will stop there, and then some other people will continue. Heat is, um, you know, how hot something is. It's the measure of how hot something is. All right, Einstein, thanks for that. Yeah, heat is the measure of how hot something is. Thank you. Thank you so effing much. <laughs> uh, but 
Where does that hot, where does that heat, where does it come from exactly? What is exactly hot? What is exactly cold? Like, what do those mean legitimately, you know, on a physics standpoint, like on the atomic slash whatever level it might be, maybe it's subatomic, who knows? Anyways, at the time when I got this question, or I saw this question, I didn't know the scientific professionally Googled answer. I didn't Google it. I don't know if I've ever read the thing. Maybe I have somewhere, but I, I didn't think I did. But I thought this is kind of like, these were my thoughts. Um, I know that when I'm cold, I shiver. Shivering is a thing that your body does to make it warmer in the heat by making it move more. I also know that all things are made out of atoms. Moreover, when ice becomes water and water becomes vapor, the atoms move more. Uh, so I concluded that heat uh, must be the movement of atoms. And the word for movement in science is kinetic energy. So heat is the measure of the kinetic energy of the atoms within an object. Uh, and that really, really complicated sentence I just got from simple facts that we all probably know. And also I did later after I wrote that Google the answer. And yes, that is the correct answer. That is how heat happens. That is how heat is determined. It's when you shine a light on things, atoms get excited, they start vibrating more, and it gets hot. Uh, more kinetic energy that is dissipated in the form of thermal energy. So yeah, that creates heat. Um, but yeah, what this tells us is that by observing simple things around you, you know, I looked at shivering, and sure, the atom thing, that's the only, you know, that's basic science, um, you can learn a lot about the world. A lot of people wonder how becoming enlightened can help you to understand so much about the world, you know, part of enlightenment is described as knowing the true nature of everything. And the reason that this is, is because by meditating and doing all the practices required to be enlightened, you observe yourself, you watch your breath, you watch your body, your twitches, your movements, your thoughts, you observe every facet of yourself. And when you can move that meditation into the world, and you observe trees, clouds, the sun, water, wind, you can learn a lot about science, physics and chemistry. Although you may not know the terms, of course, the language, what atoms are, what kinetic energy is, but you'll understand the concepts and the workings of the world. The moral of the story is that meditation is OP. Meditate and look at yourself. So that'll help you understand the world and that'll help you get an A in science class. I do not guarantee that whatsoever. I don't have an A in science class either. But yeah. Um, that's something really cool that I found. Uh, you figure out a lot about uh, life, science, the world, just by meditation and just by sitting there. It's really, really surprising. You're sitting there with your eyes effing closed and you're literally th thinking about nothing. So that's, you know, it's interesting how <laughs> thinking about nothing and doing nothing can reveal so much about life and the world to you. And I mean, it's the life, it's the world that we live in, right? So uh, it's very interesting. You know, I just had, you remember at the top of the episode, I had the, you know, I, we exist type of thing. I literally just looked out my window. I saw a giant, like a building and buildings are pretty big. And I thought, wow, that entire thing is made out of atoms. And then my brain just broke again. I just had one of those thoughts on the podcast. What a, what a great effing time right at the end. Um, but yeah, that's gonna, uh, that's gonna be all for this week. Um, next time we talk, I'll have been liberated from prison. I mean, school. 
so that's really cool. Uh, I'll probably need to record two episodes uh, the next time I record um, because I have to attend a graduation in two weeks. Um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope that you have a great week and school is slowly winding down for you all and you can follow your dreams of studying something you care about when you actually end up playing video games for three months. I'll see you in Apex Legends. Um, yeah, I will see you next week. I love you. Thank you for listening once more. Peace.